When we were visiting a family this week, we were talking about the first US astronauts who landed on the moon in 1969. When my husband was one years old at the time, and his parents stood him up to watch the television broadcast so that later on in life, if he was asked, hey, did you see the first moon landing? I guess that's why they did it. He could say, yeah, oh yeah, I saw it. <laughs> historic event happening in real time. And then as we were talking with our family, we said, hey, have you ever seen the movie Hidden Figures? And they said, no, I, we don't think so. And we said, oh, you so have to see that. The story of the group of African-American women who made major contributions to the space program in the 60s, brilliant in mathematics and engineering, who were vital to the success of all that our nation was able to accomplish at that time. They played a major, but mostly hidden, unknown role. And there's a quote from the author, Margot Lee Shetterly, uh, who wrote the book that gives us an insight and helps us a little bit into the scripture that we read today. She says this, even a woman who had worked closely with an engineer on the content of a research report was rarely rewarded by seeing her name alongside his on the final publication. Now, we know that this is something that happens all the time with all different kinds of people. People who are in the front who don't want to share the limelight with others in science and education and in the church. There are so many in the periphery and the shadows who don't get credit for the ways that they help to move ideas forward or an organization to new places or really vital research that changed our life. This morning, we're talking about Joanna, about whom there is little known. She is listed with a group of women who we believe played a significant part in supporting our Lord as well as in the furthering of the good news that Jesus came to offer there's one out of the four gospel writers who shares credit consistently with women and chooses to emphasize women in his books, and that is Luke, the doctor whose background gave exposure to all different kinds of people. Not only does Luke focus on Gentiles and sinners, he highlights how Jesus elevated women by putting them at key places all along this story. He spells out how they were present and how they figured prominently so that we can see them. Luke is the only one who tells us about Elizabeth, who quotes Anna, the prophet. He gives us the story of the woman anointing Jesus with her tears and the costly oil, and it is only from Luke that we get the Magnificat of Mary. Luke consistently portrays women as great examples of faith, reminding us how the people we don't know about are just as important as the ones who get all the credit. Our passages today don't give much detail, but what we can glean from them as a whole give us the kind of person Joanna was. Someone of deep faith who was in the background but chose what she had and what she knew as a way of honoring the Lord. So we're going to read two passages where we find her name and then talk about her contribution. Our first comes from Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Soon afterward, he, Jesus, went on through one town and village after another, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. 
the 12 were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, who ministered to them out of their own resources. So Luke says that these women who followed Jesus from Galilee had been cured of demon possession and other sicknesses, who then chose to join the Lord in bringing the gospel to their communities, to follow him wherever it was that he went, all the way then to Jerusalem. And we think about this and we think, yeah, because there's healing in the presence of Jesus for what hinders us emotionally and physically. And those whose lives have been changed by the living God want to then be where he is, want to go where he leads them. They want to offer God's life and freedom to others. Think about why you are here. How did Jesus meet you and compel you to give your life when you did? What has Jesus done for you since that time as you have followed? Sometimes life gets confusing or complicated and we forget why we have faith and we need to go back to the moment where Jesus met us and made us whole. If not, then we can just become religious people who do good things, but we don't really remember why. The reason we're here is because Jesus brought grace for our sins because he invited us to know real love and gave us purpose in following that we didn't have before. That's why I'm here because Jesus offered me a whole new life than the one that I had, the one that I saw, and the one that I knew I didn't want, the one that I could find on my own. So why are you here? We learn that Joanna is the wife of Chusa who is the household steward or manager for the vast properties for Harold Antipas. Now, this Herod would be the son. I'll get to that later. Hold on. This is a prestigious position. Let's start there. This is a prestigious position in the home of the most powerful Jewish leader. And it's interesting when we think about this family that Joanna's husband worked for. Because this is the Herod whose father killed all the babies when Jesus was born, trying to get to the newborn king who he thought would be a threat. And when Jesus grows up and is in ministry, Jesus calls this Herod a fox. Like, not like, oh, he's good looking. Like, that sly fox who is trying to really put harm on all of us. And the Pharisees say, you better be careful because Herod's trying to kill you. And Jesus is like, "Mm -mm, nope, I'm not, we're not going to pay attention to that fox. This is the same Herod who kills John the Baptist. This is the same Herod who tries in vain to get Jesus to answer whether or not he is indeed the son of God. So Joanna is connected to power and influence and hierarchy of the religious institution of the day. We don't know what that meant for her. We don't know what her life was like in this way, but we know the dangerous, dangerous man that her husband works for. And so she's willing to risk and to jeopardize her standard, her standing to follow Jesus. Did she fully leave behind her husband? We don't know but we know that she used the means that her family had 
to help this unknown Messiah who would become an enemy of the state. Lots of unknowns here, but we can imagine the tension that this might have created in Joanna's mind and heart and life and family, as well as the opportunities that she had. It doesn't say she and her husband followed the Savior. Nope. It says she did. And then we think, well, there's always a line that we have to find with our family, with our people that we work for or work with, that we have to figure out how it is that we're going to engage with those who don't know the Lord and the tension that that might be for us as we follow Jesus. Even if it wasn't dangerous, which it very well could have been for her, she boldly supports the ministry of the Lord with family money. Amen. In Luke 23, we see the death and burial of Jesus. And in Luke 23, he says that darkness came over the whole land. And the temple is torn in two. And Jesus calls out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, before he breathes his last. And Luke tells us that the centurion said that was a righteous man. And that the witnesses who were there beat their breasts. But those who knew Jesus, Luke says, including the women who followed him from Galilee, were there, taking it all in. And Joseph of Arimathea receives permission to take Jesus' body, and then we read these words. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the others with them who told this to the apostles. There's a lot going on in this beautiful passage, and I just want to pause for a minute and just say thank you, Lord. Thank you for rising from the dead. But I also want to talk about the gift of being present. Joanna is among those who stood with Jesus in the horrible agony of the cross. Most who had followed him had already fled, including the disciples. Luke makes a point to tell us that the women who came from Jesus from Galilee were there at his death. And then again, when the body was brought to the tomb and they were there on resurrection morning to see the empty grave clothes, hear the angel and be the first to tell about it. They committed to following Jesus and to them that must have meant forsaking everything else. And they chose to honor that call, doing what they knew how to do. Even when they thought that he was gone forever they still showed up. The point of this is not to make the other people wrong, but to think about what it means to make that kind of choice. 
There are legitimate reasons why people left, and we get that. Fear and discouragement and disillusionment and hopelessness. And Joanna must have felt all of those things too. And yet stays. There's a steadfastness that matters in our faith. And then we think, well, yeah, this has relevance for the church today. And all that has happened in this season of our country, people are making choices about what faith in God means. Do we still need to come to worship? I've literally heard people say to me, you know, I didn't really miss it when it wasn't happening. It made me wonder why I was doing it to begin with. And then others are wondering where God is in the divisions that we're all experiencing, especially in the church. And some are hurt by how they see Christians responding to the issues and the needs of the day. And we get it and we say, Lord, help us. How do we remain steadfast and engaged when we are discouraged and disillusioned and tired? How tired they must have been. Again, this is not about shaming anyone because this is a hard world and following Jesus is not easy. But nothing that we experience here changes who God is. Nothing changes the Lord who saves us. No catastrophe, no disaster, no schism, no evil that happens means that God is dead or that his work is over. And there was something in Joanna that caused her to hold on to the truth and the life that Jesus brought, even when every evidence was contrary to that physical evidence that easily can cause doubt. And so then we say, Lord, when we are in a place of indifference, when we think that everything is lost, we can't find you in the middle of what is happening, what do we do? I think we stop and we think about what it is that we know to be true. Jesus is Lord. Jesus brings new life. Jesus is coming again. Look what the angel does. The angel tells the women, remember, remember what Jesus taught you when he was with you, when he knew that he was alive and he was right there. What did Jesus tell you? That will help you in this moment when you are disillusioned and you are confused about what is happening. And Luke says, remembering Jesus's words, that's what gave them the faith to go on and to believe. This is good for us when we are unsure to find the Lord in stillness and bring to mind what he has taught us and what we know to be true and ask for the Lord to meet us again. I cannot end this time without saying on a sad note, that the women go on, you will read in Luke, that the women go on to go tell the disciples what has happened. And none of them believe them, except for Peter. The other 10 think that the words are, quote, nonsense. I got a lot to say about this. This could be a sermon, couldn't it, about how women talk and people think that it's nonsense. <laughs> but I would remind us, that God reveals his life to all kinds of people, even people that we might think don't have the truth or couldn't be speaking truth to us. And we need to have the ears to hear and listen so that we do not dismiss what the spirit of God is doing in our time. The names of the women who helped our country get to the moon during a pivotal time in the Cold War matter. 
just like the women who followed Jesus. In the book Hidden Figures, the three highlighted were Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson and Katherine Johnson. And Luke also names three women, Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. And in both situations, there were still many unnamed others who were also there doing the work. When Luke highlights the women who followed Jesus from Galilee, he is pulling them out of the shadows and putting them into a place where we can see them. And in seeing them, we recognize all those who love and serve the Lord, even when he is the only one who sees it. If you suffer in any way, and Jesus meets you in that suffering, Joanna's story is for you. And if you are in a place of tension with your fear and your faith and your family, you share company with her. And if you give to others so that, because you have means so that others can thrive, this is meant to remind you that God knows that. And if you keep showing up to honor the Lord when others say that faith doesn't matter, think about how Joanna and others face that struggle. And if you tell others about the amazing truth of Jesus and people call that nonsense and don't believe you, you are in good company. Keep telling your story. As we take communion today, we want to come honestly before God, paying attention to what is going on right now in our souls. May the one from whom nothing is hidden, the one in whom we find our assurance, meet us with assurance and encouragement. Joanna's life gives us inspiration to serve God with gladness of heart in our unique situations, to reflect how Jesus has fashioned us and how it is that we still seek God for how it is that he wants to use us. In this time of communion, I encourage you to remember when Jesus first met you. Thank him for salvation and grace and purpose and new life that you have received because of the sacrifice he has made on the cross. Take time and thanks for all the ways that God has met you as you ask him and seek him for the places where you need his strength and his touch and his life now. And remember that as you serve, you don't do it for other people, especially those who aren't going to appreciate it and those who won't see it, but you do it because of your love for him. And so let us affirm the faith in the one whose love has made our existence possible and whose ongoing life gives us hope in all things. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.